All right, uh, so we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, first of all, hello and thanks everybody for joining us uh, today on this webinar. Uh, we're gonna be talking about tips and tricks on how to choose the right development partner. Uh, before I go any further, I just kinda wanna go over a couple of uh, general housekeeping rules. Uh, first, you'll notice everybody's been muted. Um, this is just due, so you know, to lack, or to remove any type of distraction, but we do want to make sure that you guys can ask us questions, uh, provide feedback, comments, so you can add those in the Q&A box or the comment box. Uh, we have a couple people that are looking those over now, so they're able to um, make sure that we get those questions as well, and we'll make sure that we can answer as many as possible uh, towards the end. Uh, secondly, we're going to be sending out the recording of this webinar, also the deck, uh, along with some uh, suggested readings as well after this. So be on the lookout for that in your inbox uh, shortly later on today. Uh, so again, thanks everybody. Uh, my name is Ty Bartholomew. I'm the Director of Account Services here at Fjord, based in Chicago, and I'm gonna be your host today. Uh, I'm joined by John Galecka, founder and CEO of Galecka Plus. Uh, Galecka Plus is a creative design uh, and branding digital marketing agency, also based out of Chicago. They work with uh, some great brands from Aspen Dental, Milkadamia, and Redbox. John's actually worked with Fjord before on several projects, as well as other firms. Um, and he's also built uh, an entire development teams. Uh, yes, plural, he's done multiple. Uh, so he brings a very unique perspective uh, and very unique experiences to this webinar that I'm sure you'll all enjoy. Uh, and last and certainly not least, I'm also joined by Joe Barsness. Uh, Joe is our Director of Business Development at Fjordge. And Fjordge is a full-service custom software development firm with end-to-end -end solutions. We work from, you know, everything from solution architecture to UX design to the development all the way to the end of managed services and hosting for that full end-to-end -end, uh, solution. Uh, Joe's been with Fjordge since the very beginning. He's been working with uh, marketing teams across the nation, so he's he brings a very unique perspective as well. So, um, you know, with the housekeeping uh, introductions out of the way, um, I'm gonna go ahead and get into this and go into our first topic. And John, I'm gonna uh, go ahead and toss this one over to you actually, and talk about, you know, the losing business because of the lack of experience in a specific language environment in CMS. Yeah, I, I would I would start by the short answer is um, yes, in a lot of cases, right? Like in, in development firms, in, in kind of being in this space for a long time have, have evolved over time, right? So as agencies have kind of come into having their own development practices, to partnering, to coming back in and out. Um, so there's there's different stages in, in, in different contexts, right? But but a lot of times when you go into a larger client, they have an existing stack in place. They may be an AEM shop, they may be a Microsoft shop, they may be um, you know something else, a, a pure open source shop. And it's really hard to keep a development team on staff. Let's say you've got a staff of you know, 10, 15, 30 developers, right? And keep them up to date across all platforms. Um, and, and truly, truly have expertise because it takes a level of investment or, or care and feeding, right? So um, we, we in short have, but luckily, right, we've, you know, over, over the years we've learned, you know, as an agency partner to diversify our partner mix, right, and have a, a solid core of experts, um, you know, across the states and across the globe, right, to, to solve different problems. Um, so we've, we've become on the agency side, better partners, um, as, as a result of losing business, if you will, in the space. Right. Yeah. So 
I think, you know, as John, it's interesting that, you know, different groups have different experiences and expertise and, and languages and those sorts of things. It's as a team taking on that work, you know, you're, you know, you're going to be more efficient for a client if you do have that expertise. And if you don't, are you willing to take a hit in learning that technology um, in advance of a particular project? Um, and, you know, will that also pay off down the road, right? So a decision might be made from a dev team perspective on like, okay, this is a newer technology. Like, you know, we're willing to invest. I think a good example would be there's a brand new, uh, and this is not necessarily a specific language, but a, a CMS called, um, well, I can't remember what it's called, this new Salesforce CMS, right? And we had a client approach us about building in that. Well, great, nobody's built in it yet. So nobody has experience, nobody has expertise. We were in it, it could be a leader in, in that world. And so we were um, able to gain their confidence and take on that project, um, you know, where we had to invest some of our own time versus somebody approaching us for a, uh, just an example, like a cold fusion project, you know, uh, can you maintain this old cold fusion project? Um, only if somebody on our team really wants to and has that experience because we don't see any future opportunity in that world. And so that's a lot of the way that that side makes that decision. Um, but John, what I wanted to ask you about since you've been on the buying side as well is like, how do you know that somebody, they can say they have that experience or they could focus you on a technology that isn't good for you? How do you make sure that the team that you're working with is in line with your true needs? Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of different ways we do that, right? And it goes to the questions we ask, right? So when we're looking at partners, it's, it's on our responsibility to do research and dig into that, that, new, uh, that new Salesforce CMS, right? And to, uh, you know, what I like to do personally is go through some of the documentations, look at, look at whatever architecture is available, look at how uh, a lot of times they'll publish how they've architected their service. So I can get to a point where I know enough to be dangerous to dig with the partners. Um, then I like to just have a good conversation um, and, and just look for that that human connection too because that that level of confidence that you have in what you talk about uh, can be really key to making a decision right you can you can sort of smell right away where folks stand on what they're going to deliver just by how they talk about it and usually kind of the sniff test is if I know more about the uh, the new architecture than the development team does it's probably uh, a, a warning sign that they're they're not the right partner now like you said though there are those little things right like aptitude that we look for which is can I just can I get a great team of people who can figure it out right which oftentimes right uh, sort of for me beats that piece of um, do you do you know the platform right because really the way the technological landscape evolves across the board and is evolving rapidly. And especially on the agency side, we want to do that next big thing. We want to do that next AR kit. We want to do that next HoloLens kit. We want to do that next um, virtual reality thing. We want to do that next on and on and on and on. So folks just can't be experts in it and that's okay, right? So we've got to kind of go and look for that level of aptitude as well as a decision making. And then obviously, right, like references make a great, great, great thing, right? So if you've gone through the check of do they kind of, do they know what I know? 
Uh, do they have the aptitude to kind of get there? And then do people love working with these, with these folks? You, you do those three things, right? You're going to be in a, in a much better place uh, in the dev partner decision. Cool. Yeah. And how do you, um, I guess, you know, you said like team that can get it done, you know, like I think the way that I think about that is uh, we get approached, Hey, we're going to build this thing and it's going to be in X technology, but it also needs to connect to P Q L M A B and C. And how can anybody be good at all of those things? Right. And so that's probably where that comes in. Are they good at the core technology and can they adapt to working outside of that core technology as well? Correct. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, exactly. And, and most good, most really good like dev partners push back on, 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 on guys like us, right. And guys like me, because we're going to, we're going to say, I want this, this, and this in a, in a week in a, in a month. And you need to figure all this out. It's kind of a, a heavy move because we're getting pressure right from our clients and in that sense to deliver on a, on a campaign product, product that campaign promise, a product uh, deliverable or something in, in, in good, good partners really go, well, we can't do this, but we can, we can accomplish it this way. Uh, PQL won't work, but P might. And here's, here's what we know about P. Uh, those are again, really like leading indicators of, of a great, of a great partner. Yeah, I, I believe a great point. A couple of those conversations between you and I, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. <laughs> we, we, we've had those with, with specific things, absolutely, and, and obviously your team too, especially some of your analysts. But. Um, talk about like partner versus platform. So what I'm thinking about is like, can you buy or do you have to build? Like, how do you know when you're going out and looking to solve a problem? John, what are you trying to do? before you get a partner involved who said, well, I can build you something custom, but you could also go down the street and buy this thing for one-tenth the cost. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a hard one. And for me, it's been an art, right? And it, 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 the decision-making, we look at a lot of factors, right? We try to get as much input from the client as we can to, to help make those decisions. And, right, and what usually dictates those decisions are like long-term vision and, and, and budget and kind of the, the interplay between those two things. Because what uh, there are a lot of um, ready-made off-the-shelf tools to get an app to market to get something to market really quick but where does that fit in the client's maturity model and long-term vision and, and will this will this piece last a year and we try to understand like how how much runway is there and then how much cost is it for this piece plus licensing plus training plus move out versus a custom piece which may be 30 percent more in the upfront but may save 70 to 80% plus in the, in the long run. So we, we try to look at a variety of factors and make an educated business decision. It's, it's never perfect. Right. But, um, you know, the, there are so many advantages and I, I, I tend to lean heavily towards the custom development side, right? Because I, I, I the work that, that, that I want to do as an agency is newer, right. And, and, there aren't off-the-shelf solutions, and off-the-shelf solutions, right, are also things that have done redundantly. We don't want to. Do. We don't want to rebuild another CMS. We don't want to rebuild another, you know, web page thing. We want to. We want to solve a new business problem. Yeah, that's kind of the same way. Like from the other side, you know, as somebody approaches us and says, like, "Hey, I have this idea," you know, I mean, as an as a crazy example, you know, I have this idea. Let's make this book of faces, and people can log on and contact each other and be like, you know, that already exists, right? Like, 
you know, I can't sell you something that you can go buy or use for free or has a major competitor to you, right? Like, so doing that simple double check, even from our end, because as we go along in the discovery process and all those sorts of things, we've recommended that people purchase something based on what we've learned, right? Or integrating it or expanding on what's there, just trying to find that best solution. So yeah, that kind of jives. I mean, it's good to know what upfront work you, you do and, and think about um, before you get there. And that's a great point, Joe. And, it, and I think it leads uh, very well into kind of like the next topic, um, you know, is why partner with an outside firm? You know, what are those capabilities and the capacity and, and kind of the pitfalls um, to kind of look out for? Yeah, I mean, I can, I can jump in on this one, right? So building, building a, a dev team is, or buying a dev team, right, are, are things that, that agencies often do. And it can be like, well, let's take buying a dev team, for example. You're going to buy a team of, let's say, 10, 10 developers that work together. And I'm going to look at that and I'm going to say, oh, I'm going to make a great margin for the first, uh, for the first 12 months. And, but then that team's going to start to atrophy a lot faster. Um, so there is a, a lot of, of, of care and feeding and training and keeping that team up through whether it's regular certifications, constant training, getting them involved in the community that's not often factored in that, that partners do, right? That you guys just do naturally and, and really any good dev partner is making that investment so we don't have to uh, on that side. And then, and then obviously building it, right? Building, building a team is a, is a significant investment, right? And, and First of all, the personnel investment. Second of all, the the ongoing training, and then third, right? If you're not focused on delivering, you know, Sitecore every day, if you're not SharePoint every day, doing React in this web service every day, and all of a sudden, you know, we need to jump over to something new. It it becomes, and then we go back to that previous thing that Joe mentioned, right? Where it's uh, what's that risk, and if that is not my complete business, I'm going to be less apt to take that risk when I can just keep feeding the machine until I have a dev team that's three years old and I can't feed it no longer and they're expensive. And then I got to cut a bunch of people or, or what? So it's a, it's a, it is a hard business, right? And in partners, what I love about partners is they, um, they mitigate that risk, keep up and allow us to, to push and, and deliver better for our clients. Yeah. And I think from, what I see is, um, you know, when we work with either marketing teams or marketing agencies, you know, um, sometimes they have no development resources and we can be a good partner for, for what they do. The, the second thing I see is that they'll focus on a specific technology. Let's take a marketing team, for example. Let's say they have two WordPress sites that they manage. They have a mobile application and they have an integration in between their like multiple marketing tech stacks, right? you know, it's hard to have one person on your team do all six of those things, right? But what if the full-time job for an in-house or a resource that you hire is for one of those things, like the WordPress sites, and they're really good at WordPress and they do those, all the tasks related to that. Maybe they happen to know how MailChimp works and they do that too. But then partnering with an outside dev firm to do the application that they're working with or the APIs that they're building or the, the go to market faster than our WordPress guy can do it stage, you know, and, and those things come up, I think both at agencies and at marketing organizations and, you know, speed experience. And then, you know, if you do, if you are dealing with a small team, just availability, 
Um, you know, I've got this person that is my lifeline to my WordPress site and yeah, he's or she is going to get married and go on their honeymoon for two weeks, you know, um, having a backup resource or after hour, that person can't be responsible 24, seven, 365, having a maintenance thing being done by a team that has an on-call process are all the reasons that I see people coming to us and, and what, you know, kind of having that outside resources is, is good for. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. John, um, you know, questions for you, you know, I would love to hear about like, how do you find these folks? How do you find teams or individuals? How do you get estimates? How do you compare them? And then, you know, hopefully just going right down this list, I want to hear about any overseas experience because obviously we're a local shop, so I don't hear about those experience. I just hear about the bad ones. I never hear about the good ones. Oh, well, there are good ones. There are absolutely good ones. Um, and there's, there's, a good, there's a good place and a good reason uh, on local and overseas. But, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough in, in my career to have a lot of relationships. So all my um, development partners have been through relationships, right? Through um, folks who have hired teams, uh, whether that be at other agencies, corporations, uh, tech leads or startups in the business, right? I, uh, I do like to look to my network first when looking to get a shop, right? Because I already know off the bat that if it's coming from my friend Mark, I can trust um, the firm a lot more than just uh, a random outreach, right? Or if I can tell that my client is using this firm, uh, there's a higher, there's a higher uh, piece to trust them. So that's, that's really, really the core way that we find them. Um, let me, and then I think, let me, let me jump to the, the second question, right? Which is the, and, and we're jumping around here, but the onshore versus uh, offshore, right? And there's great places for both. So I've, I've had bad experiences with both and great experience with both. And um, really the difference um, that I'm seeing these days, right? With, with overseas shops is they still require an extra level of, of management and oversight that a lot of folks don't account for, right? So they don't, they'll, they'll be good developers. They'll deliver good code. If you hire the right firm, they'll have, you know, the, the modern processes in place, such as test driven development and, and great, great QA and uh, a great DevOps, And they'll, they'll deliver, they won't deliver as much spaghetti code as they used to. Um, but you're still, the onus is still on you as the agency partner or the client. So in all that savings you're getting on the hourly rate, you're putting that into extra communication, extra project management, extra calls, extra checks so you understand what's going on. Um, so that, that, that can be very cumbersome. And, and I, I, still, I still say this, right? Like your, um, your offshore team is as good as your onshore contact. Uh, if you've got a great onshore contact, you're going to get great, great results. Um, if you don't, uh, I've, I've had very little success that way. And, you know, with, the, with having a local team, right, you, you do pay a little bit more, but you get access to, um, you know, a lot more, we found sophisticated development, more sophisticated operations, um, a more, more rigor and consistent level of communications, and just a, a much better working experience in that when you're going in a fast-paced agency environment, you've got 15 projects going, that, that investment matters, right? You're not, uh, you're, you're burning out your teams with just, just to save, you know, a few bucks an hour. 
and it's it's just not worth it because end of the day you you ultimately put other pieces of business at risk you put your your team and your staff and your personnel which is your most valuable thing as an agency is your people um, you put burnout at risk so you run into to a lot of problems um, and, and a lot of extra things to manage too how do you how do you backing up Ty, I know you want to <laughs> get to that part but how do you and like it's probably easy to find a couple people to talk to, um, but it's probably hard to find good people to talk to. I don't know if you have any thoughts around that. And then I really want to hear like, how do you evaluate? You get, you're not a dev person, right? And I know you are a little bit, but you also know how to, you know, where your, your skills end, where, how do you compare what you get back? Like I imagine they're very different and they're very um, thought different ways. Like how do you evaluate those? Yeah, and it goes. It kind of goes back to. I hope I'm answering this right. The original question. I, I try to understand how people think and how they problem solve. How are they operationalizing this problem in front of them? How do they talk about if they don't know the answer, getting to the answer? And if they've got a, um, a means to get there logically, right? Uh, when it comes to um, a complex tech initiative or integration, if I can go, okay, well, conceptually, I can. I need to write a service layer that talks to DB2 that um, strip normalizes my data here. And then I need to write a RESTful API that's consumed by, um, you know, an iOS app to serve up my, my, my uh, parts catalog, if you will. And then in order to transact, I need to connect to this inventory system. So I look for like the ability to conceptualize and, and clearly articulate um, a problem onshore, offshore, freelancer, small or large team that, that to me matters a lot. Play that. Is that is that what you're looking for, Joe? Yes, exactly. Okay, cool, cool. And then touch a tiny bit and Ty, if you want to move to the next slide, I think we're talking about it already. Like yeah. talk a little bit about freelancing and hiring somebody for a specific task on a temporary basis or a project basis with a particular skill and managing that person. Yeah, and size and scope sort of matter in this a lot too, right? There are, and I think the benefits in this little grid are pretty pretty good on freelancers, so maybe easy to work with and mostly, right? Usually, you know, you get a really good freelancer, they'll, they'll get in, they'll dive in, and they'll, they'll just go head first because they want to deliver because in, in the freelance market, as a, as a, as a freelancer uh, in a past life, right, you can't fuck up or you're out, excuse me, excuse my language, guys, you can't screw up or you are um, completely, uh, it's going to be really, it gets harder and harder and harder for you to get a job. And it's a, especially in Chicago, it's a fairly, everybody talks to each other and it's a small market. So um, you get, you get a lot of value out of a freelancer, but you get, um, you also usually, there's a limited skill set, right? There's a focus and you want to hire a freelancer for a very focused task. I want to hire a freelancer for a WordPress site. I want to hire them for a particular, uh, an API and a service layer. I want to hire them for an iOS app. I want to keep them managed and contained accordingly. And then it's, it's great. Um, and if I don't do that, if I throw the world at the freelancers, a, a, a lot of people because of that mindset, because that hustle, get it done mindset will uh, overextend themselves, work all night. Deliveries can be pushed across the board. Um, so there's that, there's that piece, right. With a freelancer. Got it. Cool. Yeah. Um, how important is, and I know this can go many different ways with like what full service means, right? Like how important is it that 
when you're purchasing something as an agency or a marketer that like, Hey, we need these four things and we need these four external teams to all work together to deliver this product versus one team that can kind of do all four of those things that you're outsourcing to. Have you, I mean, obviously the, the difference is, you know, they each have their own specialty, right? And they're probably really good at that versus somebody who says they can do it all and they probably can, but one of them is going to be a weak weak link and, but yet you only have to deal with one person or one group, excuse me. Talk about any experiences you've had there. Uh, Yeah. It it kind of goes back to the, the last discussion, right? Like, so when it's, I'll take the 10% um, weakness, if you will, in a particular area for the ease of working to get this out of the way. Cause it's, it's, it's not my entire business as an agency partner. I've got, you know, lines of business that are focused on creative branding, messaging and, and, and tech. And then this, this, this component across the board. Um, I, I, I do like, you know, when, when a good, a good partner is, honest and open about that weakness and says, Hey, we, uh, we've only got, um, you know, one person who does react and we've got 50% of their time, but we're going to staff it this way so that you're protected across the board and take on the risk. That to me is awesome. Like I will take that, that conversation and a few extra bucks, um, and ease of work to get this. It's not to get it out of the way too, right? Like don't, don't, don't take me saying, get this out of the way is, um, um, pushing it aside or not caring about the project. It just means you know, we need to focus on the things that, that matter that, that we're committed to the clients for in addition to the, the technology deliverable, which is, is this on brand or the, or the metrics, all the surrounding pieces that go, is this going to launch correctly? Um, is there a comms plan and training and everything that goes with it? And we need to, we need to focus our energy there versus managing the dev team. Um, and, and really focusing, do they deliver these core components? I don't, I don't want to be in there um, doing code reviews or security audits or I, just, I need to be able to, to trust my partner. Yeah, I think that's a big thing, like trusting each other, right? That, you know, I think from the dev side, you know, we're often only as good as the information we're given to, to make a project um, successful. We have to learn about the business and the business needs in order to deliver a quality result, right? And so that means, you know, under a, a true like discovery process, if you will, or we call it pre-dev, right? Where you're actually, and people kind of go, well, we don't, we already know what we need, right? Like just build it. And it's like, no, but we need to get your, if you know exactly that, then we need to get your brain into our brain. And if my guess is that you don't really know exactly what you need, we'll be able to poke holes in your idea all day long. And we want to figure out those things before we go and start to build, you know, it's, it's a little bit like building a house without a blueprint. Like it seems easy until you do it. Um, so that's kind of what I see from my end. Yeah. And at the end of the day too, like, I mean, just being even, even the best of us in the business, like we're, we're behind as, as we, as we grow and, and take on more manageable response, managerial responsibilities in the business. So we, you know, when we, when we structure things with, with partners, right there, they're maybe, we may be offering a dated approach or something behind or, or not up to date on a piece of technology just because we're, 
we're chasing, you know, our, our, our heads are in a, in a different area, right? So we, we, we tend to be on the agency side and very few of us will admit it that we're, you know, probably behind on the technology side, even though we've seen ahead. Right. And partners can, partners can fill that goal. That, that may, that's myself. <laughs> so speaking. So I think, um, that's a good kind of segue into uh, the next part. And John, I, I'm going to let you lead this one, right? Um, and that's really the, you know, we talked about kind of, you know, looking for the right development partner, kind of some tips and some ideas, but also, you know, talk about like, what if you built it yourself? What's the good, what's the bad, the ugly, what's maybe the great that can come out of it? Yeah. I mean, so the build it yourself, right? That's, that's a hard one. Cause a lot of folks get in and they don't, um, you know, understand what it really takes to, to build it and maintain it right building it's kind of easy right you can go and you can you can hire talented people and i was i was harp heavily on the building it okay i can you can build a dev team pretty quick you can hire some competent developers can can you then get them to work together in a cohesive process that's that's hard right can you get them the mechanism to keep up to date that's hard can we build a proper you know intake mechanism bug tracking jira things like confluence for managing uh, notes and consistent communications that's where the the the, the hard part of build it your, yourself is and there's folks that are really really good at it and a lot of my peers are really good at it but a lot of us aren't and a lot of us don't um or take for granted the amount of work it takes building building any company, let alone a technology company or, or a, a development company that that partners, right? So that that middle layer of of, of, of building, and I still consider it a building part. The, the the maintenance portion is, I think, the hardest part. Um, and then obviously the the growing it because uh, we we fall victim to the feed the machine mentality. Now, if you do that though, it can be insanely rewarding. Right, so that's the that's kind of the the middle hard maintenance side, um, but the rewarding side is uh, I can bring products to market really fast. I can go to clients and have a a, a really comprehensive offering that meets the the a modern marketer's needs. Right, I, I need to go into to a client to service them as a digital AOR. I need to have a broad range of skills that range from social technology to digital strategy to product development to technology. And this can, like having that all in house as an agency working together kind of goes back to, even if it's not perfect, even if there's some weakness, can be a very compelling offering and clients will make decisions on us the same way and they'll go, okay, well, it, they're not that great on the um, tech side, but they've got it in house. They've got enough to deliver ninety percent, and we'll trust them to figure it out based on their thinking. So we kind of have that that same thing, um, and that 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 can help us scale, win business, keep business, secure clients, um, deliver work that that wins us awards. There's a lot of really really great stuff that that goes with that. Yeah, I would I would echo pretty much what John said from. You know, whether you're an, an organization or an agency, you know, the build it yourself is always, you know, understand what it's truly going to take and trust the people that are telling you that. Um, because, you know, a lot of development projects take a lot longer than anybody thinks that they will um, in terms of timeline, budget, resources, people, whatever it might be. Um, and then um, I also think that, you know, what John said, like, make sure you understand what it's going to take to keep this thing running once it's built. If you ignore that question, you'll be in for a surprise at the end of the day. So that's why, you know, as an example, like as, as I'm 
you know, talking to folks about their projects, there's also this don't forget about post-launch. Even if you didn't ask me about it, I'm going to tell you about what that looks like because this is not something that these properties, websites, applications are not something that you can just set and forget. Um, they need to be maintained. They need to be updated. They get used and abused and all sorts of different things. There's people, you know, hackers trying to get in. There's, you know, people using it the wrong way. There's bugs. There's new code that gets introduced for security purposes. You know, all of those things you got to have in the back of your mind is something that you need to proactively take care of. And it's, you also have to think about doing that ongoing internally as well, not just building it. Um, So that's something to think about. No, and I'm amazed, like 20 years later, still having that conversation about maintenance. Like everybody thinks that the the upfront thing is mostly it and there's just going to be this little trickle of maintenance and that's not the case. It's usually the opposite, right? And it's for all the reasons that that Joe said and more, right? And then, then factor in, you know, features and evolutions and what we learn about it because, you know, usually if we're putting a new product to market, especially at the, at the startup phase, we're wrong. Like, uh, sorry, we're wrong a lot. And that's okay, right? We've got to embrace that, but we can't put our entire startup budget into that initial build and, and, and not prep. Otherwise, we're going to be a miserable client. We're going to hate it. So many, so many agencies and dev partners get a bad rap for that. And doesn't, sometimes we're like, you must prep for maintenance. Double, double your maintenance budget across the board, on and on. And, 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 and folks still don't do that. It drives me crazy. Well, but uh, <laughs> the other common thing that I hear is like, you know, Joe, build us the Taj Mahal. I like, I know everything about my client, like my potential users or clients or whoever it is. Let's go build this Taj Mahal. And we say, whoa, 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 Like, do you really know everything that you need? Because if you go and build that, you may have not used your resources appropriately. It took you longer. You're assuming things you're paying somebody to do it, build this stuff, all of these things that your users maybe don't need or care about. Start with that MVP and go from there. Minimal viable product as, as we go off of in, in that term and talking to make sure like, hey, can we, is there something we can launch to prove out your concept, right? And save all that budget to make truly informed decisions on what your users are needing, wanting, and, and, and giving to you getting to you. Now, the flip side, been in situations too where, you know, you build a piece of software, maybe let's take a software as a service as an example, and every client wants one new feature, right? You know, your B2B sales are pretty decent size, you know, opportunities to sell your software as a service. And they say, you know, we'll sign up for two years if you can make it do this. And you, as a new organization, you're oftentimes, or a new product you're like yeah like we'll get that new client to do this thing and then pretty soon you have 14 new features for four that you have to maintain and make sure work for each one of them for one client and so staying true to kind of like your your vision with only a couple additions can be a key piece as well mm-hmm. yeah getting getting clients to do less is is always a good thing yeah. Like less is actually, I mean, it's a little off topic, but less is more in our space, right? Right. Uh, and less and learn. Uh, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of that. If I could know Taj Mahal. And the Taj Mahal was built from the inside out anyway. So it started, it started small. It was not the Taj Mahal from day one. Exactly. Well, also, guys, um, 
there's I'm there's so many things uh, I know that we could continue talking about and take up everybody's afternoon. Um, but there are a couple of questions that um, that I've gotten uh, directly to myself and in within the chat. Um, but I kind of want to, you know, make this kind of an open forum. Uh, you know, Joe, John, you guys can uh, jump in. Uh, but one of the ones that I got to me was, you know, what would you do differently if you were just starting out today and what has changed and how would you adapt your practices? Joe, you want to start or should I jump in on that one? Um, I think your perspective would be valuable. I, I mean, I can add some color too. Go ahead. Yeah. What, I mean, what would I, what would I do today? Um, what am I doing today is probably the question since the, the, this organization is only about a year old, uh, is, uh, rely heavily, I'm going to be super candid, rely heavily on, on, on partners to, to get the ball rolling, you know, down the road as a, as a business, we'll probably build a small core dev team, but we want that team focused on what's new and interesting and to be more of a, a team that's, that's, focused on learning technology and delivering small MVPs and then have a network of partners that can really build out larger, larger initiatives across the board. And that's, you know, that's one way that I'm, I'm looking at this business um, and something that, you know, we've, we, we, we've done this a few times and we've gone full bore and brought on, you know, 15, 20 devs in a week and uh, taken on large projects. And we probably would have uh, in retrospective may have done that a little bit differently. Yeah, I think from my perspective, in terms of like, what would I do differently now with eight years of experience? It's all, a lot of things that we talked about, but like educating the client and answering the questions that they're not thinking of um, is really the key. Like if somebody says, hey, hey, can you go make this thing? And you go, yeah, we can do that. And you just go do that. You're going to end up with an un unhappy client right? You need to be strong at thinking about all those things that they aren't thinking about. Like, what do you truly need? What maintenance after do you need? What should you expect around the corner? How much is this? How long is this really going to, you know, Hey, can you go build this in two weeks? Yeah, I can, but I'm not going to have QA'd it or reviewed it or launch it or whatever, you know, com clearly communicating because oftentimes the folks purchasing, this is, you know, this isn't their only job. This is one of many things that they're trying to do either for their clients or internally. And we need to educate them. And so that experience is really important. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> Jumping around. Um, this one probably is for you, Joe. Um, what content management system or CMS would you recommend for a first time website? Yeah, I guess um, assuming that it truly is like a new business with a first time website, not a large organization who has digital specific security requirements and tech stacks to worry about. But if you're talking about just a basic uh, site, I mean, there's a few options um, depending on how far you want to go, but start small. Again, there's nothing wrong with using Squarespace. If you can make a good design with little limited functionality, either by yourself, if you have a little bit of, of um, uh, background in creative or hiring a small team or individual to kind of design that brand and that, that site, there's nothing wrong with using that. And that's those, the capabilities of those tools are growing all the time. It's when you get into, um, you know, specific requirements, things talking to each other, you know, 
content that needs to be managed daily, all of those sorts of things where you start to get into, you know, the next step might be WordPress. And then you start talking about Drupal with Acquia and Sitecore and AEM as you get into the larger organizations, the sophisticated things. But one of my favorites, and we see this regularly, is somebody will like be sold on one of those platforms, even the largest platforms when they have the budgets, you have to have the team behind them to use them, right? Like there's no point in paying for a system. I did it with, you know, HubSpot, still great, still use it. But we paid for all this stuff to make all these user flows and all those sorts of things. But as a one man marketing team, and I had another job, I didn't have time to set all those things up. And so like making sure that you have the resources to keep up with everything is important. John, yeah. anything, any thoughts around that? No, no, I think that's, that's great. I was going to use the Sitecore paradox, right? It's an amazing, it's an amazing platform. It does everything. It has complex personalization and uh, brilliant data. There's a great place for it, but uh, to, you got to staff up to use it, to maintain it, and to, to really get your, your, your value as a marketing organization out of it. You've got to invest in, in your team and not just the, the dev team, right? And the people on, like to marketers out there, right? You've got to invest uh, in a staff to manage all the content that's personalized, build those personas, build those workflows, uh, handle the reporting and metrics, um, or use your agency strategically to do those. And that's, that's a, that's a big line item. That's often, <laughs> I'm already, I've already got my large CMS licensing fees, my large customization implementation fees, and now my longer tail and then my maintenance fees, and then my ongoing optimization and upkeep to really get the value out of that platform. So it's just a, it's a, I agree a thousand percent start small, go to Squarespace um, or comparable. There's great SaaS solutions um, that are comparable. There's great um, little mid tier things like WordPress that can scale up and down. So there's a lot of great places to start, but ask, ask a lot of questions before you uh, make that final decision. Another good question, and it's kind of a two-part, and I want to give you guys both enough time to answer this one. Uh, but Joe, if you want to answer the first one, and then John the second, or vice versa. But the question is, you know, what is a development process, and what sort of process should we look for uh, when seeking a new development partner? Yeah, I guess um, to answer the first part, and I think it will be a good segue to, to John answering the second part. Um, you know, a development process is like, Number one, having one is important, not just assuming that, hey, yeah, well, we'll figure it out, right? Um, you know, and then making sure that you don't get talked into not doing a step, right? Well, we don't need to do QA. You guys write perfect code. Um, you know, <laughs> not a good assumption. Um, and so, you know, a, a development process would be just the steps. And, and now, as we're larger, different people that do those different steps along the way. So just to give a quick example to get on to, to the important part is like, we might do what we call a, um, a storyboarding session, right? To understand the true, like get everybody organized, understanding truly what we're going to accomplish. Then a discovery process, right? To look at what needs to connect to what? Do we have all the tools in the tool shed that you know we need to do these things? Um, and then looking into the UX and design, whether that's internally or externally, um, you know, kind of utilizing specialists in that area. And then you typically have your plan that you go and do your dev, your QA, your launch, and then finally kind of that ongoing maintaining of a property. So that's an example of a process. 
Yeah. And back to you, John, like, uh, you know, the second part of that question is, you know, what uh, should you look for uh, within that process when seeking a new development partner? Well, I think, yeah, I think you got to look at the problem, right, to figure out the, the level of process that you, you need as well, right? So I think at the highest level, Joe, Joe laid out some good steps. Number one, yeah, you got to have a process, right? And it's, uh, it should be clear and documented. But, you know, do, I do like firms and partners that say, okay, you've got a, um, you're designing bank, banking applications. So you need code coverage standards and, and, and DevOps, and you need this complete structure in place and uh, a deployment process and everything else, right? So processes can scale up and down or, Conversely, there might be a, a, a simple uh, web app, right? That needs a leaner process that we need to get into a room for a week, uh, sketch this thing out, uh, determine the requirements, put it in front of a user to test, re refine those requirements, and then get to a, get to a place that's ready to get in front and build some stories from, get it into a sprint cycle across the board, right? And I I, I don't I, I try to be you know, process agnostic, right? And I look at like, what's the right process to solve this problem? I don't need to do bank level security on a marketing website. I don't need to do it on a, a startup app. I do need to do it, uh, you know, when I'm working in regulated industries and I do need people who understand all the implications for handling data and, and, and have the checks and balances. And it's not only like the, 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 the process can have a lot of different layers, right? Process can be the process my team follows process can be the documentation that comes out of it. Uh, process can be um, you know, the, the little sub processes or the design pieces. So it, it kind of scales up and down and, and what's the right mix of process to solve the problem is what's important. So I know we're running up here on in a time, uh, but before we you know, go ahead and sign off, I want to take the time to allow you know, Joe or John, if you have any you know, parting uh, pieces of wisdom or anything, you know, feel free to share. Parting wisdom, uh, you know, it, it, parting wisdom is for different audiences, right? Uh, parting wisdom uh, can be that just if you're going to get into technology and building something, uh, start to look at like what it like what it takes to go back to some earlier conversations. What does it take to to build something, not just to, to plan something, to build something and to keep it alive in market, whether that be your product, that be your dev team, that be the dev team you're buying. Um, try to horizon that out over you know a, a three-year period and, and get as far as you can conceptually before you before you make decisions uh, work with your partners uh, hire partners that challenge you and kind of keep you uh, in your place if you will and, and, and push back uh, don't 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 partner with um, yes men or yes women right so partner with folks who be like john stop here you just need to get this to market this is solving the client problem and let's go back together and, and, and talk about it so those 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 are kind of a couple couple things to look for that uh would be parting wisdom if you will i think um i think in addition the only thing i would add is ask as many questions as you possibly can before you begin the process. Do not assume anything. I think as we're proposing things and, and maybe a, a scope gets signed, I'm way more nervous about people who didn't ask questions than those that did because they were thinking critically about what they're going to be doing and, and need and we understand clearly what they want. Um, and so ask as many questions as you can possibly think of, even if they're just clarifying question, 
what you mean by this is this, correct, right? Because going that deep will get you to be on the same page as well as catch any like, whoa, we didn't know, we didn't know that this needed to shoot a rocket ship to the moon. That's a little more budget than you thought, you know, that kind of thing. So that's what I would say. Awesome. So, you know, once again, thanks everybody for joining. Thanks uh, to the speakers, Joe and John. Uh, we'll be sending out the recording along with the deck. Uh, we'll make sure that Joe's contract information along with John's contract information is in there as well. So you can call them and, and bug them all day long about uh, the development process. But again, thanks everybody. And uh, we'll look forward to speaking with you soon. Thanks. Yeah, thanks everybody. Thanks, Joe, Ty, Pete. Thanks everybody.